Welcome to the SBS Volta Espana podcast with Zwift. Last year in the Volta, we saw Zwift Academy winner Jay Vine come desperately close to a stage win. And this year, another Zwift Academy winner, Neve Bradbury, performed brilliantly at the Giro Donna, finishing 10th overall. Well, it's all about to kick off again. Registrations are open and the Zwift Academy starts on the 12th of September. Importantly, it's not just about elite riders chasing a pro contract. Anyone can take part. The Zwift Academy features six structured workouts over four weeks. And after you've graduated, Zwift will share workout and training recommendations based on your results. It's a great way to find your strengths and go further. So if you want to dive in and start riding with a free seven-day trial, head to Zwift.com. Now here's Christoph and Macca with the SBS Volta Espana podcast with Zwift. Bonjour, 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 and buenos dias. Welcome to the uh, Zwift SBS Cycling Podcast. Coming live from the Start Village, I must say, first of all, I have connections issue here. This is Spain. He was working very fine until the last five minutes. I don't know what's going on. It's day 13, Maka. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, mate. Oh, don't worry. I've got my tools ready to take over if you just crash out of the place. It looks like you're doing one of those um, expose interviews, like you're trying to you're dobbing someone in, but you don't want your identity shown at the moment. It's because I can't tell if it's actually you. So anyway, let's let's move the show on, shall we, while you're still with us. <laughs> exactly. And uh, I'm so glad we've got Kate Bates as well with us. That's, uh, that's brilliant. So this is your last show with us, actually, Kate. It is. It is. I'm going to miss you, fellas, uh, of an evening to wrap it all up before the next stage starts. And I feel like it's just getting started too. Like there's a part of me... Uh, that thinks that the next 10 days has an awful lot to offer. But, uh, you know, I'll be watching on. And, um, Christoph, it looks like you're enjoying yourself over there, even if the internet connection isn't brilliant. Yeah, the city is all enclaved. This is my issue. This is what I'm saying. And, again, it's not like they build walls just in the last 10 minutes. But the internet just decided to uh, basically S itself uh, in the last 10 minutes. Anyway, we had a winner yesterday, uh, Carapaz, winning this uh, this stage yesterday. Uh, let's listen to uh, Luke Plap. Uh, Luke Plap was, he's a teammate of, uh, of Carapaz. Let's listen to him. He's very happy. Luke, you finished with a smile on your face. It's not bad after uh, a pretty tough finale. Why wouldn't I be smiling, mate? <laughs> Richie's, uh, Richie got the job done. It was, uh, it was a bit of morale to get us through that last half an hour of the climb. Um, yeah, how did, how did Carlos and Taylor go? How did you? Yeah, well, Don't we were know. watching uh, Richie on the front. He looked uh, fantastic. Of course, no, we were barring for, for Jay Vine, but uh, <laughs> he didn't have He's one enough. He's one enough. He's one enough. He no, but uh, no, a great ride by uh, Carapaz. Fantastic. And he looked really proud across the line. Yeah, he was, mate. It was, uh, it was, look, it was a tough ride to get him in the break. Uh, people didn't want him there, but now it was awesome to get him there. And yeah, I think it's, it hasn't been the best tour for him, obviously. He came here to ride GC and he's not up there, but I think to get a stage win caps it off. And for you personally, how did it feel today? Uh, not too bad, mate. I pulled up right after the crash. Um, I just couldn't couldn't go with him on the climb. Uh, I tried to stay as long as I could, but yeah, it just wasn't going to happen today. Um, but now I pulled up fine, and yeah, I, I think I'm getting hopefully getting better. Yeah, good stuff. Well done, mate. Thanks, mate. Cheers. So win for Ineos, Maka. We can really feel that it's uh, really a breath of relief for the team Ineos because. 
you know what? This is the first win for Carapaz in the Vuelta. He's never won a stage in the Vuelta. Actually, he's the first Ecuadorian to win a stage at the Vuelta. That's it. Well, he's, he's going to be the first Ecuadorian, whatever he wins, isn't he? Because, well, there's only a couple. I shouldn't um, discredit, I think, one or two other Ecuadorians that are in the pro peloton. But you're right. His first Vuelta stage win, which is surprising, you know, considering the calibre of Richard Carapaz. Um, I, I must... I've got to ask a question, Kate. I might direct this to you. If you pick Carapaz in a tipping competition when he's already in the breakaway, does it count? I'm just asking for a friend. <laughs> I don't know about that. I mean, I reckon picking Carapaz would be a good call on any mountain stage, but I think uh, there might be a few technical hiccups with that one, Macca. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, I'll let him know. Okay, yeah, good. Yeah, let your I, I, would, uh, I would not let you have this one, Maka. <laughs> I would not let you have this one, Maka. Especially you are commentating on the, on the actual show. You know? so, uh, but, but talk about the, the relief that it is for Ineos. Can we say by this, they, like, they haven't lost the Tour yet. They haven't lost the Vuelta. But can we say they've already sort of saved their Vuelta? Maka? Yeah, I think so. I mean... Yeah, look, I think they're going to save it anyway with Rodriguez. So, you know, that 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 saving happens at the end, if you like. Um, and there's still a long way to go. So they were, they were always going to do something in this race. But, yeah, Carapaz winning, it's a bit of a parting gift to the team. They keep his points, of course. Not that that bothers Ineos. They're, they're well and truly entrenched in the in the World Tour, up in the, the top sort of echelon. Um, but, yeah, look, for Carapaz, I think... It's good for him as well. And, you know, he heads to EF next year. So I think they'll be pretty happy that he got the victory just to show that he's, you know, still got the legs, still got the motivation when the chips are down as well. Do you know, we were talking about him uh, heading to EF. When you look at the stats, that's only his second win of the year. The only win he had before that stage was at Volta Catalunya. Uh, so, you know, we can can we read anything on him living in Eos? We were asking that question. We are talking about the, the the money. Is it the is it linked to the money? But he hasn't had the result he probably should have had with the team. Don't you think, Kate? Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. But I just feel like he wasn't that comfortable at Ineos. Like, he seems to fit in from a cultural perspective, but he doesn't seem to have really thrived and grown in uh, performance as we expected him to. And um, you know, it's been discussed a lot across teams like DSM and Yumbo and how differently they work from other teams. And we're not just talking about culture, just in um, structure and function and training and all of that. Uh, and I have a feeling that he just wasn't quite at home. And, you know, that maybe shows and reflects in his performance. But he does uh, seem very fond of Spain. So Spain appears to be very good uh, for his racing career. Uh, based on his two wins this year. But I think, yeah, he's a really interesting rider. And we I feel like we don't know a lot about him like we should because a lot of the times that he's in the media, it's about team transfers, how he's handled it. It's more about that. I'd like a little bit more info on, you know, what makes him tick and um, a bit more of a deep dive on the old Richie Carapaz. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, moving on to uh, Jay Vine uh, because, yeah, we... we thought Jevan could actually go onto a breakaway. I believe uh, I'll give you this one, uh, Maka. You actually mentioned that yesterday, I think, in our show. Uh, but Jevan got into a breakaway, which uh, was the plan, but didn't really work out totally in the end. Let's listen to Jevan. 
Hi Jay, it was. Uh, it looked like a really tough day out there in the office today, mate. Yeah, yeah. Well, only the last five kilometres. Uh, yeah. Um, but tell us how, how you felt because you know you're climbing up until today. Most people in the press room were thinking you were picking you to win. Obviously, you didn't quite have that form today. Yeah, I don't quite know what happened with uh, I think five k to go or four k to go or something. Followed the first two tacks, no problems, and then uh, the legs just locked up at about 330 watts. So you can't win at 330 watts in this uh, level. So you then just backed off and tried to recover, you did, or did you go full gas anyway? That that that's as fast as I could go. So that's what I did to the finish. So what's the plan now? You've got a sprint day tomorrow. Probably be helping Tim and then uh, and recover a little bit. Yeah, I think so. Sprint tomorrow. Um, I'm also annoyingly back up a bit closer on GC, so I don't know if they'll let me go on the breakaway again uh, later down the track. Um, but yeah, I can't fold anyone but myself, really. <laughs> yeah. But you've still got a very good uh, grasp on the climbers' jersey, so that's the important thing for you right now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think, uh, I think the guys only took about five points max closer in the uh, competition, so yeah, it's. Uh, it's a bit, a bit disappointing that I didn't get any points today, but it's also good that uh, there wasn't a massive uh, blowout. Good luck, mate. Thanks, thank you. Like uh, we can say with Javine, he's, uh, he's almost like a machine. He knows his leg locked up at 330 watts, not 333, 330 watts, that's where they locked up. And he's also really annoyed that he's gone, up, gone back up again into the, the GC classification. Yeah, look, that's an interesting interview. Um, he's pretty sombre, and I think he needs to yeah. actually just deal with it and and move on. I think he's a bit more disappointed than what he should be, to be honest. He's allowed to be disappointed. I'm not saying that, but he's won two stages. He got beaten on the stage by a guy who's won the Giro d'Italia, Richard Carapaz, you know, has done a lot of stuff. He's Olympic champion as well in the road race. Um, I think he just needs to cop it. And I feel like he's he's he was a bit more disappointed than what he should be. Um, you're going to have bad days. Kate, you know, I know, as, as a professional cyclist, you're going to have bad days and you're going to lose more than you win. For most riders, that is actually a fact. Um, yeah, I feel like Jay maybe went in 10 kilometres to go thinking he was going to win. And then, of course, he hasn't. And now he has to deal with that sort of that loss, but you've got to deal with it quickly and bounce back because, you know, he can win another stage, but sometimes it's all up what's between the ears. And I think he needs to learn to deal with that side of it uh, probably a little bit better, to be honest. Yeah, I found that interview really curious, uh, Maka. And as you said, you know, his comment about being on do, too high on GC uh, is not a comment that you hear very often, uh, even if they think it, they very rarely say it. Uh, but what fascinated me most is he's quite mechanical. Uh, he wasn't giving work experience uh, John Trevorrow anything. And John mm. was asking great questions, but he was just, you know, not in for it. And I, I feel as though the way he does approach uh, his racing is hugely beneficial in how analytical he is. He uses every data point available to him. But I think that interview is where that collides uh, with the person and the adaptability of the rider to change the plan once they're out on course because it's as though he's got this formula he knows how to win 
it worked twice. The third time it didn't work to plan. And now he's quite annoyed with that and almost trying to figure out why it didn't because he planned it. He knows the data. It should have worked. It didn't. Yeah. Um, I really want to see him bring a little bit more humanity into it, take a little bit of data out of it because he's just on the precipice of um, being almost unbeatable as a brake rider. Uh, but he's got to be a bit a bit easier on himself. He's so hard on himself. Yeah, well said, Kate. And I couldn't agree with you more. And I, I yeah, and that's probably exactly the point I was trying to get to. Yeah, he needs to take a little bit of that that science out of there's times when you have to take the science out of it you need to throw the, the bike computer in your back pocket and not look at it and i'm not you know we're, we're sort of nitpicking i know but yeah it, it was really interesting um because when when he got on the podium essay and took the polka dots he didn't look that happy and mm. and that so then and i the first time i've seen that interview is right now and so that for me backs up what i saw last night when he was on the podium so yeah it's, and look this is it's a new age athlete, isn't it, that that can mm. rely on science uh, uh, most of the time, but sometimes you've got to improvise out on the road. So, yeah, very interesting. Mm. Well, his mouth is moving, but not so much is happening there. Oh, here he is. <laughs> here he is. <laughs> no, no, no. He's, finished, he's finished fifth on the day, so it's not, it's not a bad day. It's Come still on. a good day. Yeah, and and from previous efforts, yeah. it would have been a magnificent day and a very, a very celebrated day. It is interesting. I'm not sure if you guys um, saw a little bit of noise overnight on social media about whether or not a robot could, in fact, select uh, teams and do tactics for stages, like a chief data strategist uh, that was a robot and strip all of the emotion out of it. Uh, and I thought, look, there might be some sports that work like that, like chess or something like that. But so much of cycling is digging deep in the moment where it really hurts regardless of what the numbers say. It's the skills, mm. it's the ability to read the race. And, uh, you know, remembering that a lot of these guys are within half a percent of each other, that is what uh, ends up making the difference when you've got the experience that the autopilot decisions that you make are the right ones. You see people moving and anticipate it uh, before it even happens and you're not spending that extra energy. So... You know, adaptability is something that all riders have to uh, learn and, and grow to. Nobody comes into the sport fully polished. Yeah. Let's listen to uh, Wilco Kelderman now because uh, he's had a good day as well. He didn't win the stage, but he looked good for a very long time. Wilco Kelderman. Yeah, it was a big group, actually. Um, took a long while before they let us go. But in the end, uh, me and Matteo Fabro were there from our team. Uh, we tried to uh, to go for the stage win. Uh, actually, Matteo did a great job on the climb. Pulled full gas and uh, yeah, just Carapaz was too strong for me. Yeah. What, what was the strategy coming into the climb? What did you have in mind? Uh, normally, a long climb suits me pretty well. So <clears throat> I think what we did was perfect. Just a high tempo and then uh, try to kill everyone slowly. Um, but in the end, yeah, you need to have the legs to win and uh, just uh, go past one. That was a Wilco Kederman. You may have noticed behind me, the party has started. The village is now officially <laughs> we open. We can hear it. So the music, yeah, the music, they went. 
Okay, let's put this up. So you'll have to bear with uh, with me on this one. Uh, Maka, Rico Kelderman, uh, what, what what do you think about the performance yesterday? Could have been a good winner, but he didn't head up this way. Yeah, it's interesting. He hasn't won a Grand Tour stage um, with the CV that he's got. It's surprising, isn't it? Look, Carapaz had the killer instinct. I, th- I thought Wilco made a couple of errors just in that last few kilometres. As he said, his teammate Fabro did a did an amazing job setting the tempo. So everything was right up until then. And then when the first couple of attacks came, Calderman was the one who covered them, and he covered them long. Like it wasn't a quick acceleration. He sort of sat on the front of what was left of the group. And at that point, Carapaz had not really touched the front. So Carapaz is lethal and he is brutal. And that's part of the reason why he won. But look, Calderman put in a great performance, I thought, and, and so did his teammates. So, you know, in the end, Carapaz was the better bike rider. Only by about nine seconds, though, so it wasn't much. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and now let's talk about the man we still think, some of us still think, can win this Vuelta is Primoz Roglic. Uh, yesterday, he finished with uh, the group with Remco, uh, with Remco Evolopol. So he's up there uh, with, uh, with with the best of them. Of course, he's still really high up in, a, in the GC. Still a very, very good chance for the, this Vuelta. Let's listen to it. This is the last time today to stay with uh, Remco Evolopol today. Uh, yeah, it was longer, uh, quite long. But uh, I mean, yeah, it was, was fine. Huh? Uh, I was there and uh, yeah. Up to the next days, huh? Are you getting better? Are you feeling better day by day nowadays? Uh, yeah, we will see, uh, for sure, yeah. Uh, I mean, today uh, I had a good feeling, so yeah, hopefully I can improve yeah, a bit. Because your team was pulling with Chris Harper as well, with Rowan Dennis even uh, at the beginning of the climb. What was the point of that? You, you were really trying to make this climb really hard? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, definitely, yeah. Uh, we needed, uh, uh, I mean, we are a bit behind, so uh, we need to catch up, huh? So, uh, yeah, he's uh, still a long way, but yeah, uh, was uh, actually yeah, a good day then. Still a, a long way for, for everybody and for Primoz Roglic. Uh, it's all going to be played out this weekend, Michael. Yeah, it is big time. Two big mountain days to come, um, including Sierra Nevada, so up to two and a half thousand metres. I think. You know, we keep saying we'll get a good idea of, of, of who can win here and there. But I think this weekend, if, if Remco survives the weekend and survives and thrives, he's going to be a very hard man to beat um, because he's looking, he's looking the goods. And even with his crash um, overnight, um, you know, I think a few Belgian fans would have held their breath when they saw him on the deck. But um, he got back up and he was absolutely fine. Yeah, we'll talk, we'll talk about Remco in a second. Uh, Kate, Primoz, I know we had our opens down on whether or not he's going to win this race or not, but uh, what's your position now? Oof, he's not in a great position at the moment, and I think he says that, you know, they're not uh, they're not in the Rojo, they're not even close to that at the moment. Definitely Remco has the advantage. But it was interesting that he said that he's getting stronger and he's starting um, to feel like he's gaining a little bit of momentum is what I took from that interview because that's a pretty powerful statement. Uh, but what I also noticed, and it's not isolated to him, it's all of the interviews, they all sound completely exhausted and completely wrecked. And so even though uh, sometimes they're saying the right words, you can tell uh, that there's a little bit of fatigue setting in across the board. Fatigue to a degree can be you know, unexpected. Sometimes you think you feel okay, Maka, you would have experienced this. You get on your bike, you think you're feeling all right, 
and it's an absolute shocker uh, and vice versa. So I think that for all of them, uh, there's still anything could happen. But, you know, certainly Evenepoel has to falter and not in a small way, in a very big way he mm. has to falter. Uh, it doesn't really matter how good Roglic is from here. Um, if Remco doesn't have an absolute Barry Crocker, then I don't think he's in with a shot. You just touched on on, uh, on, uh, on Remco and the fact that he, he touched the ground yesterday. Uh, tell us what happened in that crush. Yeah, well, I mean, we actually didn't see it live. We saw the aftermath, but they, they came around. They were on the descent. They weren't going super quick. Uh, the break was away, obviously, and they weren't, you know, too stressed about it. And he had his teammates on the front. They came around a corner. Evenepoel said later that it was the motos, that they were too close. He tried to cut the corner tight, and that was where his wheel gave way from him. So it's these, the slippery surface of the roads. They're not wet, obviously, but they're dusty and they're gritty. And, you know, it hasn't rained probably for months, so it's a little bit greasy. And he just had a touchdown, and his bike his bike copped all the damage because he had to switch bikes completely and he didn't switch back for the rest of the stage, but he, he was okay. He took some skin off his hip, but other than that, he was okay. Yeah. Let's listen to uh, Remco Evenepoel on his uh, red jersey interview. Remco, first of all, people have uh, seen you crashing. Uh, any damage? Yeah, just my leg, but it's uh, fine, I think. My bike is much worse than myself, so uh, it was a super slippery corner. I think the yeah, the motorbikes were like slipping down, uh, slipping as well, and slowing down. So that's why I actually uh, wanted to cut the corner, but it was a bit too much. So, uh, but uh, yeah, sorry for my words, but shit happens. <laughs> how, how did you feel in the climb, especially when the other riders uh, sped up? Uh, good. Was was nothing, uh, nothing bad. I know it was uh, a climb to just follow, and uh, yeah, last 200 meters, I just. When the all out to sprint because I felt I had something left, so uh, good feeling. That's the most important. Except for the crash, was it the scenario you wanted? Yes, the crash, of course not. But um, everybody was strong with me. Did a really good job. Uh, he has been riding on the front uh, for like almost half of the race, he, um, three fourths of the race. So uh, big uh, chapeau to him. Also to my uh, to my two teammates. Uh, I mean to Dries also because he. He dropped us off perfectly on the climb. Um, so yeah, now I'm just gonna uh, yeah, heal the, the wounds and uh, try to recover from it tomorrow as it will be a sprint stage. Thank you. So that was uh, Remco Evenepoel here. Uh, Maka, we know when there's a crash like this and skin is you know, going off a little bit on, on, uh, on you, uh, with the adrenaline, you're sort of okay straight afterwards, but it can then start to really pinch the next day the day after, not the best timing for him because we've got two massive days today and tomorrow uh, in the mountain that you can say could decide this. Not the best time for him to, to have to go through this. No, no, not at all. And, you know, you, you can never measure it. We talk about it as commentators and, you know, even writers maybe talk about how much a, a crash can sort of hurt you later on. Kate, you and I both have probably had our fair share of crashes throughout our careers, so we... We know what it feels like afterwards. Um, yeah, this will be interesting. Look, he did seem completely fine, and it looked like it was grazing. He, you know, he, he'd torn his shirt, uh, his his uh, bibs right through, and and he he'd taken a fair bit of skin off, but it didn't look like a big, deep sort of gash sort of wound. So, 
I think he'll be okay. He would have got plenty of work done, physio and massage, et cetera, overnight. But, yeah, the next 48 hours will be interesting. And you're spot on, Christoph. It's not great timing. It, it's never good timing to have a crash, is it? Yeah, I don't know. I never had one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know motorbike. <laughs> Actually, yeah, I do. <laughs> good point. Uh, Kate, let's not put uh, ourselves too, too much ahead of ourselves, but what would a Renko Evanapol, winner of a grand stage, do for his career? What, what would that do? You know, we talked about all this pressure he's having from the press, the, the Belgian fans, his parents, his girlfriend, everyone is probably putting a lot of pressure on Remco. If he ends up in winning this race, what could that do to him? To be honest, I don't think it'll take any pressure off him because I reckon that this is what people have been waiting for, uh, The people who've put a lot of faith in him, have put money into him, uh, the teams and so on and so forth. So I think for them it will be a bit of a relief that he's now on the trajectory that they expected for him. What it'll do for him personally is just take the pressure off in terms of confidence uh, and knowing that he can and he's able. And we've seen that in his communication this week. I was really impressed with how cool and relaxed he was uh, after that stage and after a little bingle because I was a little bit concerned with how he spoke after Alaphilippe uh, crashed out. Sorry to uh, open that wound there for you, Christoph. <laughs> but I did, I did worry that perhaps that could be a psychological turning point for him. This interview just shows that he's uh, actually quite in control of it. I think to extrapolate a result here and say, uh, that he'll really battle against um, Pogacar in the Tour next year or Vingago. I'm not sure about that. You know, I think that the Vuelta has a very different flavour. Uh, but what we can be sure is that in the next couple of years, it's not going to be boring Grand Tour racing. We've got a lot of guys uh, lining up. And I dare also say that Roglic uh, is toward the back end of his Grand Tour uh, career. So it is really these younger guys that I think will really start to animate stuff. Uh, and we've been waiting for him, haven't we, Maka? Mm. He's so young, but I feel like we have been waiting for him to step up to this. So yeah. uh, he has had a, a lot of uh, eyeballs on him waiting for this conversion to happen. Yes, very true. Oh, over to me. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, you're spot on. I mean, ever since he won the Junior Worlds and then I think it was, was it, no, he, did he skip the under-23s? I think he did. When he won the Junior Worlds road race, he he had a bike change, he had a flat. He was like two or three minutes behind and he rode his way through the whole peloton as it was splitting up on a climb. And I think that's when we all sat up and took notice and, you know, there was a lot of hype about him, obviously. But, yeah, you're right, Kate. It's It's been – it feels like it's been an eternity and he's still so young. Mm. So it's exciting. And with the young Spaniards that we're seeing here as well, and, of course, Pogacar. I mean, Pogacar is suddenly now seems like the veteran, doesn't he? He's one, two, yeah, two. He? He's been around for a while. He, he, surely he's thinking about retirement, surely. Um, but it is. It's super exciting. <laughs> Okay, let's have a look at uh, the stage that is happening uh, today from uh, Ronda. And this is the profile, my cat take us through it. Uh, this is uh, a very good little taster of, of the legs before two massive big days. It is. So starting, as you say, Christoph, in the beautiful town of Ronda, 168.4 kilometres to be exact. 
Good day for the breakaway to get away, but I don't think it's a good day for the breakaway to survive. I think the sprinters' teams are too motivated and the finale, the last six and a half kilometres, is more or less uphill. It's not steep. A couple of sections of it are 2%. There's even a downhill section. But the last 800 metres is at 5%. Kate, for me, it's got Mads Pedersen written all over it. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it does too. And I think it would be really special for him to take a stage victory in that uh, green jersey as well, uh, especially with a little bit of chat around what it's going to be like for him to win uh, a green jersey when his competition was taken out of the uh, race rather mm. than racing all the way to the end with Sam Bennett. Personally, I think the fact that he was incumbent in the jersey uh, shows that he has more then earned his position uh, in there. But I reckon that'll be pretty special uh, for him, especially toward the end of the season. But Caden Groves, if he gets that lead out again from the bike exchange guys, oh, that's going to be really hard to beat. And I don't know if you saw uh, on Twitter, guys, uh, they're singing uh, in the van. Let's just say that they're better bike riders than they are singers. Uh, ah, but suffice yes. it to say, they seem to be in very good spirits. And I think that if they can get the momentum from the other night and that really comfortable win for Groves, he could be very hard to beat. But they need to anticipate. If Trek can anticipate that lead out, he won't be hard to beat. So I think it will really come down to that final uh, kilometre in, in how those teams approach it. And, Micah, uh, if we took at the, the, the rankings here, uh, Nothing should really change today, a bit if there's an accident or anything else. But that should really be changing today. No, it shouldn't. It's funny, isn't it? It's famous last words. We say that and then something will happen in the stage tonight. Um, and that is the way the Vuelta rolls. It's meant to be a headwind, head cross, but doesn't there's no real talk of um echelons or or, or that echelon that the you know it's it's open to echelons. So no, I don't. I don't think there'll be any issues. Look, they got to. They got to stay upright, though. We've already seen, as with uh, uh, the last few days, plenty of crashes um, for no real reason. So for the GC guys, they've got to stay out of trouble. They've got to stay near the front. They've got to stay out of trouble. Um, and you know, and I'm with you, Kate. Caden Groves, even though it's got Mads written all over it, we could get another Aussie win through Caden because he'll be super motivated. The team will be up and about as well. So. Yeah, it should be a good stage. Are you on the moon, Christoph? We can't hear you, mate. <laughs> I think he's on the moon, Kate. I think he's on he's on a okay, visa I'm, and I'm he's back. borrowed a backdrop. <laughs> Here he is. <laughs> look, look what I've just found for you, Michael. How beautiful is this? It's in the village. It's, is it it's a Vetus? An it old. Vetus. It's an old school Vetus. Yeah. Sorry, the quality. How much is not do they want for it? Behind that, we've got an alum, full aluminium. <laughs> Too much, I think, my car. But uh, that's what tell you them are here. Uh, <laughs> beautiful. I love it. Let's put in an offer, mate. It looks like it's my size too. So put in an offer, let me know. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll let you know. I don't think, I don't think, sadly, I'm not sure you can afford it. 
<laughs> Come on. <laughs> right. Thank you for joining us. This is the end of this program. My connection is actually currently dying. I hope yeah. uh, we can uh, hear, hear me. Or if we, at least this is the end of this podcast. We're going to finish on this one at work. Thank you for joining us. And thank you, Kate, for everything you've done uh, for us over this week. Yeah, thanks, Kate. Thank you. I'll miss you guys. But uh, have a good rest of the Vuelta and I'll be tuning in to watch. Thanks for listening to the SBS Falter Espana podcast with Zwift. After five weeks on the road at the tour and no riding, I'm seriously playing some fitness catch-up with Walter Inspiration. To help with my motivation, I've set myself a target of finding a team and getting involved with the Zwift Racing League. Round one starts on the 13th of September and goes to the 18th of October. One race per week for six weeks. Whether you're just starting out on your fitness journey or like me getting back into things, or you're a six watts per kilo monster, you'll find a level of racing to suit. So if you're up for the fun cycling challenge, dive in and start riding with a free seven day trial at Zwift.com and find your ZRL team or register if you're all ready to go by Sunday, the 11th of September. Hopefully I'll see you on the start line soon. Ride on.